Hey everyone, this is part seven of question mark, I guess, of our cybernetics and labor series. We are just ending up in so many different areas that are just so interesting and have a hard time not talking way too much about it. But uh, I guess if anything, that makes it more fun. Either way, if you'd like the full thing, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash workstoppage. We are an entirely listener-supported show, so it's the only way that we get any money for doing this. We really appreciate you for supporting. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy this preview. If you can't afford to become a patron, jump in the Discord, message one of the admins, and we can hook you up with that for the time being. Either way, solidarity forever. Well, and maybe you would be really qualified to read the next book, uh, The Heart of Enterprise, because I, as I understand, that one was written more for the engineer kind of side oh. of the business <laughs> compared to... Uh, yeah, I guess I got to read some more Stafford B. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get there. I'll, re I'll read it with you. We'll find a time that works for both of us. Um, so... Yeah, this is written for managers, and it is an intensely optimistic book, particularly in the first edition. The second edition, uh, as we've read some excerpts from, you might notice the optimism is uh, tempered significantly. Uh, it's, it must be hard not to temper your expectations after the uh, coup in Chile. Um, but it does, the, the book in general in both editions does kind of imagine to some degree, at least that nearly any evil in the world is a product of poor organization. And that if we were, were to simply reorganize society in concordance with the natural forces that pervade complex self-organizing systems, we might just find ourselves in our interior worlds humming blissfully along on that same vibrational frequency. Um, oh God, like I, this is I recognize utopia line of thought yeah. is, it, is it like yeah utopian revolutionary kind of like the, wor the whole world has a revolution all at once magically and everything's good I mean, it's kind of like, I think this is, I don't want to characterize Stafford as naive, which I have already done a couple times, but I don't want to do it <laughs> because I don't think he is. I think he just has a foundational misunderstanding of what precisely class interest is and how it functions in the world. Because I think to him, and I understand this as, as an extension of the way he's approached everything else, his idea is just like, well, you just haven't arranged it right. And that is not how class works, actually, Staffy. Like, <laughs> this, it, But this is, again, I, I mean, to, again, to, to bring in my, I, I know, bring anecdotal personal parallels, but like this, I, this conception comes out of STEM academia. Mm -hmm. uh, and specifically, this is the most well-meaning, genuinely well-intentioned uh, form of like techno-poptimism, you know, sure. that you might encounter today. But from somebody who's actually smart, not the idiots they have like, you know, hawking that shit today. Uh, because like this, I have encountered the idea so many times. It was essentially like basically taken almost as gospel in when I was in college that all of the problems in our society are the res are result from the fact that people uh, who are in charge, it's a, so it's a little different than this, but it's really, you know, his idea of everything is related to poor organization. There's so many folks, in, especially in STEM, and it's, I guess specifically engineering, I guess I can't really speak to, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe math professors may not be talking like this, so I don't want to rope in the mathematicians. They and, are. And, and with, with, uh, <laughs> with engineers. I'll but rope them like, in. <laughs> but, 
so much of the conception of 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 just the worldview really is i think a, the the most important way to look at it is that the reason we have so many problems is that people don't look at things rationally and that we have people operating from irrational bases and 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 because we elect politicians who are who are good at being demagogues instead of being good at the st- in giant air quotes, the stuff that matters, aka the hard sciences and STEM, and the it's you can see how the mm-hmm. ideology is very self serving. Right. Yeah, this, so, this if, is your brain if, on analytic philosophy. Yeah, I was about to say uh, if a boat yeah, was living, it, 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 it's and your it brain was on to be replaced board by board at a time, it would actually be the same boat you have in ever understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and it's yeah, because it, but it, it it's 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 like look. We because part of this though, I think, and the interesting thing to me that I think doesn't get explored about the you know the the technocratic ideology of a lot of people, which is very very. I also just for important historical context, extremely popular in Europe in the seventies mm-hmm. as a way to uh, you know evolve the welfare state uh, under the pressures of like austerity and neoliberalism, the oil shock and all this stuff that was evolving at the time. So, so like the technocratic method of governance was very much in vogue when this was being written. And so like, it is extremely common, but again, the thing that I think is so interesting about it is there's a latent acknowledgement of the false nature of scarcity Mm-hmm. Like that is presented to us within it, because in order for you to come from a perspective of our society could solve all of these problems, and the only reason we don't is because things are badly organized or because the people are irrational or whatever, you are starting from a perspective of we have everything we need, we just need to distribute it better. Which that is 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 a radical break from a, a lot of bourgeois thought, which likes to reinforce the mm-hmm. idea of scarcity to explain we just don't have enough for everybody to be well often that's why most of you have to starve. Yeah, well and exactly. And uh, there's so many social and and scientific and technological factors that were feeding into the way beer was positioned here. I really feel like as far as somebody who kind of held this opinion, he had the most clear-eyed version that you could possibly have. But, For you know, sure. Isaac Asimov didn't get the future right, despite obviously being a fucking genius when he was writing yeah. those books. So it just cut that. That's the nature of forecasting. And beer will tell you this stuff um, himself. And, and it's interesting when you read the book, because in the first edition, he's like, I expect this book to do very well and change the world of management. And in this in the second edition, he's like, well, what happened in Chile really, really upset me. And it seems like people are losing interest in the book, but at least people are using it. And then like you see him in talks later and he's like, people have abandoned that book it's it's just managers don't even know what it what cybernetics is anymore and it's 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 kind of sad to see but um yeah i mean it's also interesting because um it became so unfashionable to have worked with allende only after beer had worked with allende like when he was down in chile doing it all of his peers in the field were like yeah that's fine that's normal whatever and then after the coup when when uh, you know western positions on you know who would who is cool and not cool to sit with at lunch changed a little bit and became more intense uh he kind of got chased out of a bunch of fields of research because people were like is he a communist is he gonna make leviathan control the south american continent it's like no slow down i would i would be fascinated to learn if his work is at all popular amongst like the directorates of the various like uh chinese state operated firms Mm. because like they do operate a lot of the, you know, commanding Heights, like state owned, 
uh, businesses in a, I mean, from what I've learned little about it, not mm-hmm. much, just from reading is like, seems pretty well cybernetic like how it seems pretty hard to produce you know as much green energy equipment and install it all over this country as the entire rest of the world combined in one year (laughs) without appropriate organization of the incredible number of moving parts and people and logistics systems you need to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, management cybernetics in China is one of the things I have like the strongest interest about because I know cybernetics got picked up in the Soviet Union like late in the century after they initially were like, it's bourgeois propaganda. And then they were like, actually, this is kind of useful. And then they used it a bit. Um, But they didn't really do the Berian management end of it. It was more Wienerian kind of like mechanical technological arrangement Mm. kind of stuff. And I know the management cybernetics end of things stayed popular in the Spanish speaking world for a long time because after the coup, a lot of people who worked on CyberSyn, Beer actually had like a long running letter writing and phone call and um, money providing and fundraising program to like get people out of jail in Chile that were imprisoned by the dictatorship or, or find people and find out if they're alive or dead. And, you know, he ended up spending a lot of money and time looking after these people after the coup, which is, you know, massively to his credit, but also they ended up Uh, in various places around South and Central America, particularly Mexico and Southern California as well, in many instances. And they continued to carry on uh, this work, if in a somewhat fragmented manner. I mean, you have guys like um, Raul Espejo, who's really, really fucking great, who wrote uh, a really short, wonderful guide to the VSM. And then um, you also have... uh, Oh, what was the name of the guy who invited him to Chile? Um, Francisco Flores, who now like runs management training seminars on World of Warcraft in Silicon Valley. Like uh, many different paths you can take out of this. So um, it's kind of interesting. But yes, uh, so he was super optimistic about how this would be received by managers. And that is like out of all the things Stafford Beer has ever thought. That's the one that puzzles me the most. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to write a book telling a group of people that the way they run their profession is wrong and they should completely change it up in in all of these different and perhaps somewhat confusing ways. Yeah. Well, and like it's, he was right, but I mean, to your point, why would you think that would be well received? Well, and it's so funny because like later in life you see him in interviews and he's just like, yeah, I spent so many years getting hired by firms who desperately wanted to change the way that they're company was structured, I would make them a plan and tell them in detail precisely what to do and they would look at it and go, oh, we don't want to do this, and they would pay me and I would leave. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. By the way, that still happens with consultants all the time. Yeah, (laughs) because the fundamental fact is managers don't want to change their institutions. Mm -hmm. They want them to stay exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah, I'll never Mm -hmm. forget in one of the episodes uh, before you said, yeah, they'll they'll look at these consultants to come in, they'll write all these plans, they'll put it in a file and then put it in a file cabinet and then go back to doing what they were doing before exactly yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean consulting is it's a great scam if you can get into it <laughs> absolutely um so uh stafford did uh expound towards the end of the book in the second edition and also in plenty of places where he spoke afterwards that he did mean to expand the scope of the book to beyond just the firm uh and have it be applicable to for a 
instance, National Administration. He just didn't want to change the title because it was already well established. And also he was doing this whole bodily metaphors thing with brain of the firm, heart and or the heart of enterprise and so on. Mm. Um, but if we look at the ideas that are present in brain of the firm quite carefully and we compare them to the modern business environment, we get the idea that... Um, Oh, right. And also many people had contacted Beer about his book and had said like, oh, we managed to put this into practice and such and such. And he said he was overwhelmed by the amount of correspondence that we, he got. But if we look at the ideas that they would have actually been putting into practice, we get the idea that these enthusiastic pen pals may have been something more like a cult following of Stafford than the roots of a blossoming movement among the world's managers, which is what he was hoping for. And so you might see the occasional startup or director of technology make gestures towards Stafford Beer. He is certainly still known to be a thing within management circles. Uh, you and uh, But in much the same way that a liberal politician might make a gesture towards a radical of American history, whose image is much more favorable for them to use today, for um, by virtue of having been rewritten so many times by now. Uh, yeah, note, n- note so many businesses that will use fucking Malcolm X quotes. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, I mean whatever, John Brown, whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So the lessons have simply not been retained (laughs) among managers, but they're still good lessons. And so to this end, uh, we find ourselves facing an opponent among the managers in modern capitalism who have dropped one of their weapons and do not even realize it. And so it is incumbent on us to pick up that weapon of cybernetic management and uh, variety engineering and actually use it against the capitalists in any way that we can. Yeah, and then so then we get to the next. Oh God, this diagram is huge. Yeah, get ready for the diagram to end all diagrams. You thought Felix Guattari drew difficult to understand diagrams? You have not met an Aristotelian. This is all they do. 